Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. Okay, so Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, we're going to finish off where we were last week. We're going through uh, the letter of the Ephesians. Paul wrote to this church in Ephesus, and um, the theme that we've chosen to kind of wrap up that whole letter is uh, getting back. And so to get back, to get back to who we are supposed to be, to get back to who the church is supposed to be, because he wrote it to this particular group of people. And again, when you think of these groups, do not think of like a group this large. Um, When he was writing these letters, they were to small little groups, like house churches, like our small groups. That's who he was writing to. But this one was meant to be shared. And so it's more, it, it fits more of us. And so we can be wrapped up underneath it. And um, because the uh, iPad thing didn't work, I'm going to totally rely on Cameron right now, slide by slide. And so here we are. This is where we finished up last week. We are not going to go chapter by chapter because when you write a letter, you don't write it in chapters, do you? Paul didn't say, okay, here's chapter one. Now let's go to chapter two. He didn't do it that way. We are the ones, if you look in your Bibles, you see all those numbers everywhere, right? There were never numbers there. We did that because we couldn't find anything. And so the scribes in the beginning started putting chapters and numbers where they thought the break should be. But when Paul wrote this letter, he just wrote a letter. And he was trying to get across themes. He was trying to get certain things across. So he'd say something, then he'd talk about something else, and then he'd come back to it. Not that it's all over the place, but he's trying to get these themes across. So we're going to hit those themes. And so last week, we focused on our identity. He's talking about who we are as people. And then when we finished that, we shared this passage right here. God placed all things under his feet, and he appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Now, if I'd had the iPad here, I'd do this big circle or this underline um, right where it says the fullness of him. We are the fullness of him when we are together. And yet, when we think of the church, and, uh, and so what we're talking about this morning is the church. But as we, as we move on this morning, my goal is to make that the last time that I say the word, the church. Because when you hear that, you have all these expectations and all these ideas. So I'm going to use different words. The word that I'm going to try to use most of the time is the body. Because that's who we are. We're the body of Christ. We're the group, we're the assembly, we're the, the, the club, whatever you want to call it. But when we say church, there's all this other stuff that comes with it in your head, all your experience, all this connotative definition comes with it. And so for that reason, we're going to try to switch it up, but, which is his body. So that's why we're using the word body. Um, but we think of it, well, I'll show you. So open up your Bibles to Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Um, and then, like I said, Cameron, I'm going to rely on you step by step here. There's a lifeline between you and I, because I don't have those notes here on the iPad, because, well, they don't work. So um, I want you to hear this passage, okay? So you're there. Now close your eyes. I mean, all of you, because I'm looking. I can see who isn't. Hairspray? (laughs) Yeah, you're going to look at it in a second. But I said close your eyes. Okay, so listen to this. 
For it is by grace I have been saved, through faith. And this, not from myself, it's the gift of God. Not by works, so that I can boast. For I am God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for me to do. Okay, now with your eyes closed, does that sound right? Anyone think that sounds wrong? Raise your hand. Ash, you're such a cheater. You had your eyes open. Okay, open your eyes. I completely changed the word of God. And for most of us, it sounded, well, that sounds about right. What I did, the only change I made was I took all of the plural and I made it singular. So I said, for it is by grace I have been saved through faith and this not from myself. I just changed everything that was plural and made it singular. And when we read the word of God and when we move through life, that's how we see things. We hear that passage, when we're studying it, we think of it in the singular. That's just what we do. But it's not about us. Or a better way to say it, it's not about me. Because the entire word of God, in fact, if I was good enough, like I love languages, I love the Greek, I love the Hebrew, but I'm just not that good to make my own translation of the Bible. But if I did, because everyone seems to do it and, and they do great jobs of it, I would, I would add a few words. You've heard me do this time and time again on Sunday mornings. I would add y'all. I know Matt from Texas is all pumped up right now. But every time it's translated into English, we have you, which is both singular and plural. So we look at it and we say, oh, for you. And we think singular. But almost every time in the Bible, when, when the Lord is talking to the church, when he's talking about commands, he's talking in the plural, he's talking to us, yet we try to separate ourselves, which is completely understandable um, for a lot of reasons. Because, well, here's, there's, there's a bunch of reasons why, but here's one of the reasons that I've found it easy to want to separate from y'all, to separate from the big church. Uh, I have higher expectations. Like if I get let down by um, the highway patrol, if I get let down by um, Vons, if I get let down by my uh, neighbors down the street in the cold, it's like, okay, that happens, you know? Even your family, to some degree. You're like, okay, whatever. But if someone that's following Jesus or the church does something that I think they shouldn't do, it's like, oh, how could they dare? I hate the church. You just get angry and you just want to separate. Um, I had an experience a long time ago Okay, not that long ago, but long enough ago, and actually my friend and I were there together. We were in Mongolia, and we went there, uh, so we were all excited about it, like, yay, travel! And then you get older, and you're like, oh, travel. But we were in that stage where it was, you know, exciting, and we wanted to do it, and we had um, uh, a, a my, one of my mentors that was leading us, and he was older. So this, and he, I don't think he was ever in his entire life into traveling. Like a lot of young people, they want to go see whatever they can see. I don't think this guy has that in his DNA. Yet he was the one that led the trip. He's the one that put it together. He's the one that, that said, hey, would you please come? He's the one that coordinated this. Why? Because he's a servant. That's just who this guy is. I mean, he's the most sacrificial. I, I don't know anyone more sacrificial than this man. And so he led us out there, and we're in Mongolia, and I mean, it was rough. 
we were excited because of the adventure. I mean, it was, we were eating, um, <laughs> my friend that's here, I won't roll him that bad, but uh, Josh Beauchene, he actually, uh, we were in this tent, and they were giving us this butter, and they're giving us this butter, and he, he had to eat it, and he's like, oh, book, I just threw up in my mouth. And I had to swallow it, and he had the rest of his butter, and like I told him, dude, you got to eat that. He's like, I can't. I go, we're, this family's, so I had to eat his goat butter, um, and it's not as good as it sounds. And it was, we went to this one apartment, and I'm just imagining Larry in this apartment, my friend that, our mentor, who doesn't like, it's not like an apartment. Like, they don't have like five-star, they don't, I don't think they even had hotels. This is Mongolia. This is the outer reaches. And we're in this apartment, and he holds up the sheet and he's like, am I right? Is this blood on these sheets? Yeah, that's the kind of places that we're bringing Larry. And we're like, isn't this awesome? This is a great story. And he's just miserable. So we come back from, but he, you could never tell. He never complained. And we come back to the United States. And the organization that I was working for, um, who's, which is still an amazing organization, but it's made up of people. They're following Jesus, but they're people. They're part of the church, but they're people. And this man was such an influential man that, that the bosses, the leaders, had restructured things because they were worried about him getting so much influence and taking over. So they literally, he'd been doing this for 30-something years, they tried to move him to Riverside uh, and change his job because they were wor- it was a power, power play. And I remember, just, I remember crying, going, is this really happening? This is not supposed to happen. Christians are not supposed to do this. And so several things happened within me. Same thing that happens within all of us when we're associated with a church or with Christians. When we see this type of humanity happen, we either want to separate or we want to go find another church because they're going to do it better. They're not messed up at some other place. It's just this one. Or we want to move over into this area where we just criticize and condemn. And I've been in all three places. But this is what we're going to find out in Ephesians. Paul keeps telling the people in Ephesus, keeps telling the other churches, you are one. You are meant to be together. Regardless of what it feels like, you're supposed to be together. You, you can try to be singular. You can try to be separate. But it'll never work because you were meant to be part of the body. That's how it's supposed to be. So if you can, open up to uh, Ephesians if you're not already there. And we're going to go not verse by verse, but section by section. And we're going to look at how Paul defines this oneness. And the one thing we're going to see over and over and over again is it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about us. The Bible, God talks to us. His word, he talks to us in the plural. He talks to us together. So here we are, next passage, please, Cameron. This is, um, this is a quote from C.S. Lewis, and um, I think it's so appropriate, because C.S. Lewis, if you don't know who he is, well, you, you won't know who he is, because he's not here anymore, he's dead, um, but he is an amazing communicator. And this is what he said about being separate. He said, the search for a suitable church makes the man a critic where God wants him to be a pupil. I almost stopped just right there, but then I had to add the rest of it. But I'm just going to read that part because that's the kind of heart we're supposed to have. Not a condemning heart, not a judging heart. We're not, we're not called to appraise 
other believers. That doesn't mean that we don't look out for each other. It doesn't mean we don't speak the truth in love. But we're stuck with each other. That's how we were made. Um, and I'm going to have another C.S. Lewis quote coming up here in a little bit. But if we could go to the next uh, Ephesians passage. So here we are, Ephesians 2 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Strangers and aliens. That's from the ESV translation, and it is so appropriate. Because just about every single one of you, including your pastor, feels like a stranger and an alien in the group. And I know you think that, that nobody else feels that but you, but we all do. Um, I've been with elders before, and they're like, man, I just, I just showed up. I don't even know who these people are. I feel like they didn't say stranger or alien, but basically a word similar. I, I feel like I don't know anybody. I feel different. I feel... You're supposed to. That's how this is designed. We're supposed to be different. You're never going to go to a church where everybody's the same. They may have some similarities, but they're not going to be the same. And even those people that are all the same, they're going to feel like strangers and aliens. It's normal. But you are fellow citizens with the saints. And remember, a saint is not someone like, like we take that word saint, we're like, no, the saints that have actually been canonized by humans, they're just as messed up as you. But a saint, that word means holy ones, and holy means God has set you apart. It's not what you did, it's what God has done. That's what makes us saints. Now, I know we're not gonna go rock, walk around and say, hi, I'm Boog, I'm a saint. How you doing? I'm a saint. But you need to know that. That's who you are, and you are a fellow citizen with the other saints. And imagine if you looked at the people around you as saints. That would change everything, wouldn't it? That would give you a little more patience than you had before if you looked around. And why don't you do that? I know, you only want to look a little bit, and then you want to look straight back forward. But literally, maybe look 360. How about do that? Why don't you actually look around and look at the people around you and realize they are saints, so when they stole your parking space as you were coming in today, they're still saints. They're human, but they're holy. They're set aside by God for his purposes. And this is probably my favorite word in this passage, that we're God's household. We're a, we're a home. That's the house. We're, we're a family. We're a home. Um... So I was wrestling with this, mainly because it's hard to say, but it has to be said because we're the household of God. Uh, Linda McLaughlin, who's been um, struggling with Alzheimer's for quite a while, um, she just passed away in the past few days. And um, so Greg came in, and I was sitting with Mike, and I was talking with him, and, and uh, I told Greg, I said, Greg, I, I can't not say something. I mean, it was Linda. He's like, I totally understand. Um, she's part of our family. And she's waiting for us now. But it, we can never be part. If you don't know, if you pass away and you move on and the rest of the family doesn't know about it, you're disconnected. And that's not the way God created us to be. There's, there's mourning and there's celebration, it happens at the same time, and it's the freakiest, weirdest thing, and I, I don't even know how to communicate that, but 
It's what happens in the household of God. Can you go to the next passage, please, Cameron? This is the passage that I wanted us to focus on. Like, you know, me, typically I try to choose one passage and we stick with it. Um, but Ephesians is so peppered with these passages about our oneness and about what it means to be the body of Christ and what it means to be this assembly, what it means to be these, the ecclesia, the called out ones. But this passage kind of sums it up so beautifully. And I'm going to give it to you in a couple different um, translations. <clears throat> I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Again, I urge you. I urge y'all. Anytime you see the word you, just assume anywhere in scripture, especially in the New Testament, just assume it means y'all. You got to ditch the singular. It's almost always talking in the plural. And here it is again. So I urge y'all, that's my translation, to live a life worthy of the calling y'all have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as y'all were called to one hope when y'all were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. How awesome is that? I mean, that is, that's, who we're, that's who we are called to be. When we talk about getting back, this is who we're called to be. We will not be perfect in it. The people around you that you did the 360 with your head, they're not going to be perfect at it. I was talking with someone this morning, and they were, they were looking at their life, and they just said, I just feel, I, I look at my life and all the mistakes I made and the guilt and the shame. Hey, that's going to happen. We as the big church, we have things we should be very embarrassed about. Not just now, but over the centuries. But this is what we're shooting for. This is, this is why we're so disappointed with ourselves and with others because we know deep down what it's supposed to be like. We hold the body of Christ to a different standard. And we should. But we should also have that grace to understand that the body of Christ is just made up of people. Here's the other translation from the message, just the last few verses. It says basically the same thing, but in a different way. You were all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction. So stay together, both outwardly and inwardly. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who rules over all, works through all, and is present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. Or another way to say it as, it's permeated with y'allness. That's who we are. Our identity is together. And as much as we try to separate and pull away, it's always going to look and feel wrong. The, the effects of that will be wrong. Um, here's one way to look at it. I try not to use sports analogies, although I love sports, because I know that most people don't care about sports. And if they don't care about it, they also don't know about it. But I think this is an appropriate time. We were talking about this 
uh, with our staff, and someone shared it. I don't know who said it. I think it was you, Boog. And then they shared it, and it was really smart, so we realized it wasn't for me. But I'm stealing it and sharing it with you because I think it's very appropriate. Imagine, and we'll just choose a sport since it's coming into um, baseball season, we will choose uh, baseball. And so in that sport of baseball, you get drafted. You get drafted by a team. So once you decide, hey, I'm in, I'm going to do this thing, then one of the teams drafts you, and you decide whether or not you're going to sign with them. And so you sign with them, and they say, okay, you sign on the dotted line, you're in, this is what we're going to reward you with, this is your salary, this is how it's going to work, all right, and then you're going to show up to spring training. So imagine, um, well, let's see, who are we going to pick on this morning? All right, Eric. All right, so imagine Eric is the one that's drafted. So Eric is drafted in, and so I'm, I'm, he's here on sound, oh, you're playing for the Dodgers, because of course, like, that's who you want to play for, right? And so Eric's playing for the Dodgers. I'm like, so you're, you're, you're a professional baseball player now, right? Yeah, yeah, yes, I am. Okay, okay, so do you have a team? No. Wait, what? I thought wait, you're a professional baseball player, right? So you, you, you don't have a team? No. You don't have a uniform? No, but you're a baseball player. Yeah, professional baseball player. You play in the major leagues. I'm in the major leagues. Okay, so do you practice with a team? <laughs> no, 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 no. So wait, so you, you, you didn't sign with a team. You didn't, you don't wear the uniform. You don't practice? Well, who's your coach? I don't have one of those. Wait, you're a professional baseball player. Yeah, no, you're not a professional baseball player. Because that's the definition of a professional baseball player. <laughs> They've signed, they're with a the team, they show up. They wear the uniform, they practice, they, they plan, they coordinate. That's what they do. As a follower of Christ, we cannot say, whoa, I'm a follower of Christ, but I'm not with other believers. I'm just on my own. I've got my own faith, my own way of doing things. I don't really like them. That's that idea of just wanting to pull away because they're not like you. They don't think like you. They don't agree. They don't, whatever it is, but we were designed as followers of Christ to be with other followers of Christ. It's not me saying it. It's what God has called us to. It's what Christ called us to. We're going to have communion in a little bit. Another definite, the word communion itself is that idea of the plurality, of doing it together, of having that meal together, remembering him together. It's how it's supposed to be done. That's how the fullness of him is expressed through the body of Christ. And this week I was uh, um, I was at the mayor's prayer breakfast, and afterwards, uh, I saw a friend I hadn't seen for a long time. So we were talking, and just, the, he's the coolest guy. I love this guy. And um, he's a real encouragement to me, and, and he's a follower of Christ. Um, but he refuses to be a part of a team, and he has all his reasons. And, and uh, I made a decision that when I was uh, um, there at Life and Death, that if I was still here, I was going to be a lot more bold and more direct. And I love this guy. And I'm like, look, man, anytime you want to be a part of, you know, branches or any other church, man, you need to be there because you have this faith and yet you're all, all by yourself all the time. He's like, yeah, but I, who's going to share with the unbelievers? And he starts going through this whole list of stuff. And um, much like I'm sharing with you today, we didn't have a long talk, but I said, look, man, here's the deal. I go, 
the Bible is clear that we are part of the body of Christ. And if you look at Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, it has this beautiful picture of us literally like a body. And a hand can't say to the foot, yeah, just, I'm not feeling it. I'm not, part, I'm, I'm over here. I can't do what you can do. I don't really like you. You got that whole jam thing going on and you're gross looking. And so I'm out, you know, and you take me places I don't want to go. I'm really, whatever the arguments are, whatever it is, it's going on. And so the hand just decides, poof, I'm off. And so let's say, and I, I can't do it for visual things here. And if I could, it would gross you out. It would be over there. The hand's over there. You just look, if you've ever seen a finger or a hand or a foot or anything separate from the body, you just look at it and just kind of, some people a little bit more than others. And some people are fascinated by it because they, they're like, whoa, whoa, because you just don't see that. Why don't you see? Because that's not right. In fact, and that's what I told my friend, I go, dude, it's just gross. You were meant to be with other believers. Not just you, they need you. They need you. It's not just about you. They need the gifts that God has given you to share with them. I was talking with another friend who's in AA, and um, she, said, she said it so well, so I know I'm gonna mess it up, but she said, it's, it's not about the personalities. It's about the principles. So that's actually in um, AA, it's one of the, the definitions, one of their 10, can't remember what it was it? Is it one of the principles? She said it like something fancy where I hadn't heard it before. So anyways, it's in there, it could be that. So it's something big and it's written that way. And so she said, that's why we always tell everyone, look, don't stay on the edges, aim for the center. Think about that, the edges, don't stay on the edges, aim for the center. And she was very direct about it. She, she goes, look, this is no game. I was like, whoa, she's getting serious now. <laughs> she was like, like tell me, you better tell them this. This is life or death. And it made such perfect sense the way she said it. That's what this is about. The way God has designed us, he's designed us to be together. And it's a matter of life or death that we stay to that. God knows what he's doing. So that's why we have these, um, so we, we were supposed to have small groups starting now and we decided to put it off till after Easter because it's so important. I mean, let's face it, you guys are looking around, you're looking at a bunch of strangers. Once you get to like 10, it's like, it's too big. And that's why they're supposed to be in these small groups. I remember when my wife and I moved up here and we were looking for churches and we'd walk into a church and people didn't say hey to us. I get that. <laughs> I get that now. Um, because... We're afraid, and some of us are shy. Like, we assume that you walk into church, everyone's gonna be friendly. How many of you consider yourself shy? Raise your hand. Okay, still not an excuse for us. Notice my hand's raised? Because when people come into a community, they want that warmth, and so we need to be friendly to them, but we also need to have, when we're visiting or, or we move, because we're in one of those transient societies where everybody's moving, when you move, when you go to find a church, they're not all gonna go, hey, and come up and hug you. <laughs> Because they're just as shy as you are. So you're walking around like me with your hands in your pocket and you're waiting for someone to come and say hey to you. That's just not the way it works. Some people do and usually they're weird. And so you run away from those people. <laughs> but for that realness, they have to be in smaller groups and that's hard work. But that's how God designed it. This church in Ephesus is a small little group of like 10 people. 
And so whether you're at this church or whether you're visiting and you're from another church, or maybe you're like, wait, I thought there was a movie, but this isn't a movie? <laughs> so you ended up here. If, you, if you've made a decision to follow Christ, then that is a call into the body. And you need to make that happen. Don't blame the group for not making it easy for you to get in. You need this. It's a matter of life or death. Don't stay on the edges. Jump to the center. Aim for the center. You need to be in this kind of community. And that's why we pushed it back till after Easter because we wanted to make sure we gave everyone every opportunity. We communicated in every way possible that we had the healthiest groups we could possibly find. And we even called it open house. When you go to an open house, you can walk in. Oh, this is awesome. And then you can leave. Because when we said, hey, you want to join a small group? They're like, so I might come in and get trapped? And then I'm with people that, like, I, I, just, I, I don't know if I can handle that. It just freaks me out. So we're like, hey, it's open house. But that doesn't mean that you just keep going around open house all the time. Eventually, you have to settle and have a group of people that you're going to walk with, that are going to be honest with you, that are going to encourage you. It's where life is. Um, and right now, in closing, we're going we're gonna to take communion. There's no clear definition of this oneness, of this yallness, than communion itself. And so if those who are serving communion could go to the stations. Um, we even talked about, uh, you know, we, we, I think we've done it a few times this way. Not very often, but we talked about just having a table. And then you go and take communion by yourself, you know. And I was like, wow, oh, we can't do that. Because that doesn't, that's not the way it was done. They were together and they were serving each other. You saw a face and that face is, is praying for you, whether you know it or not. And there's this beauty to communion. And so um, the worship team is going to come, and they're going to lead us in these songs of worship. And in this worship, when you feel ready, go and take communion. And um, remember what Jesus said about this. He said, do this in remembrance of me, of him. Because on the night that he was betrayed, he was given out this communion, this Seder meal, by the way. This, this is the Seder. Well, it's a very stripped down one. But it was part of the Seder that he did that. It was the Passover meal. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. And he, and he held the bread and he said, this is my body which was broken for you. And this is my blood which was shed for you. And they took it together. So at any time in the next couple songs, um, please feel free to come forward and to take that with y'all. Let me pray for us. Father God, we, uh, we submit to you, and as Ephesians says, we submit to one another out of reverence for you. Out of honor to you, we submit to each other and we fall underneath your lordship. Lord, communion is, is so big that our minds can't wrap around it. And so we just fall into you. In the name of Jesus, amen. I love what Boogie shared. I shared with him when we started coming to this church a couple of years ago, you know, we had um, been at Big Saddleback for a long time. And I absolutely love that church. I love it. Um, but we had two young children 
my dad was diagnosed with ALS and we just had a lot going on in our lives and we would come and go from our big church and we were in a small group and literally five couples in our group, we all went to different service times. We would go to church and not see a single person that we knew. And we just realized we've got to get in a smaller family where we could go on a Sunday and that's enough because we're stretched right now personally and my dad is dying and you know we're needed in other areas in our personal lives right now. We need to show up for our parents now and we can't be in all these groups and doing all these things right now. And so we needed to come to a place where if all we could do was come on Sunday, it was enough. And I will tell you, for about two years, we did volunteer in childcare, but beyond that, all we did was come on Sunday and we volunteered in childcare you know, once a month. I know more people here than I knew going to Saddleback for over 10 years. It's such a privilege to be part of a small body um, like this. It's such, it is such a privilege. Um, and I was sitting here and I was thinking, you know, with the loss of my dad, it has made me have to grow up kind of fast. I lost some kind of, you know, I was kind of on the younger side and I've had to grow up now. I don't, I don't have a dad anymore. And he was kind of my spiritual mentor and I've got children. And so it's put me in this place of really thirsting to be spiritually mature quicker than I think I would have become otherwise. And so I've really been in pursuit of that. And as I was listening to Boogie teach, I was thinking, you know, Spiritual maturity teaches us that love is a choice. It's not a feeling. We're not going to be able to find any church that's going to have everything we want, the teaching exactly the way that we want, the, the style of worship that we want, and the, every single person the way that we want. And when we think about the families that God genetically placed us in, we don't get to choose our family, right? And there are people in our family that we're closer to than others in our family. It's easier for us to get along with them. Um, but those that even we aren't as close to or that we don't necessarily agree with, we do get to decide how we treat them. And we do get to decide how we love them. Because love is a choice. It is never a feeling. It is a decision that we make and a commitment that we make to one another. And we are a family. And at some point, we will grow up. It happened when my dad died. And I grew up and I decided I'm going to love branches and I'm gonna be here, and I'm gonna lock in, and my life has opened up now more, and I can serve more in different areas. It's a choice. We make a decision to be here and to love one another. And how do we do that? It's backwards, we start serving first. I encourage you, if you're not serving, or if you're serving in an area where you're feeling depleted, find, find your area, find your place of service that is exciting to you, because the people that Shane and I are closest to here are the people that we serve with in the ministries that we've met through serving. That's really how we have become connected here, is completely through serving. And the world says, you know, me first, and I'm going to get what's mine and take what's mine, and then I'll see if I give back. But I'm encouraging you to, to spin it around, to serve first. Find your place. And when you find a place of serving and just giving of yourself, you're going to find your people. You're going to find your tribe here. And, you know, it's really those people day in, day out that are gonna move this thing from being a building to the people within it. The church is not a building, it's the body, it's the people. And I, I just cannot encourage you enough to just step out and start serving somewhere and find your people. And then it's game on, then it's personal, then the feelings come because you truly are every week coming for those people that you love and not to check a box that you're a Christian and you went to church this week. You know what I mean? 
So it's been such a privilege to be here today, and um, I just want to close us in prayer, and we can be on our way. Lord, thank you for the privilege of being able to gather as a church. Thank you that we live in a country where we get to freely worship and that we do get the choice to come here and to be openly believers in you and to be able to share our faith with one another and grow and, and be sharpened by one another. I pray, Lord, that you will speak to us in this next week, that you will show us, Lord, how we can love you more by serving each other. Speak to those of us, Lord, that need to make a decision about choosing you and choosing your body and maybe choosing branches specifically, Lord, that we can lock in and serve and grow. And at the end of our life, Lord, when we look back, that you will say, well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Lord, I pray that for each of us in this room and ask that you would go before us in this week. Thank you that you're in every day of this week, Lord. You're standing there and you're waiting as we enter into each day that is to come before next Sunday. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Have a great week.